0: Welcome to episode four of Strange Brow Radio. I'm your host, Tobe Johnson. It's great to be back. Great to talk to you about all things out of the box, on the fringes. And this time from uh, the pub itself, again, with a couple of different guests. I'll explain more in a moment. But first, as always, thank you to our sponsor, Feral by Aaron at Etsy.com, E R Y N. At Etsy.com. We're talking museum-quality drums, rattles, smudge sticks, made right there in the beautiful Olympic Peninsula. Go to Etsy, check out her stuff, review it, rate it, like it, share it, order it. It helps us get the pirate ship a moving, and that's what we got here. We got a little tiny pirate ship. All right, our next guest coming up. Well, (laughs) you won't want to miss this interview here. I'll tell you more about that in a second. Be right back, folks. Today's guests are going to be unfolded this way. We're going to have people talk to you straight from the field or inside one of the pubs that we do interviews out of. So you, if I haven't said this before, you'll hear the ambient sounds of the fireplace or maybe a musician or uh, the, the waitress uh, coming up uh, near the table there. But I think our mic placement is good enough to where we, we don't drown out the story or the retelling of what's happening here. And I think that's the case for our first witness here who wanted to remain anonymous and we always respect that and so enjoy this story here I think this gentleman saddled up to the pub a lot earlier than I did that afternoon and well I'll let him do the talking here is the anonymous cryptid story and
1: we're like let's go investigate like dumb shits right so we head around the fucking lake in the middle of the night oh by the way It was a full moon. Yeah. And it was going from white or yellow to blood red. Right. And back to white and black to blood red. Like, something's going on. So everyone gets skittish uh, halfway around the lake, and I decided I don't want to fucking go over there just to hoot and holler back at the echo because it was drunk and dumb. (laughs) didn't get that far because like something was tracking me through the fucking trees and it got so bad that I was like really and you could just feel it you know and I was like because I wanted to surprise my friends so they all took off I was alone so I go okay this is too much no back We get back there, and our car's parked like a half mile away from our campsite. So, we get back up there, and I'm like, I just, you know, let's go. And get up, into the fucking, like, the blood moon is, like, shining on me. And it's, like, gravel road intersection. And I heard the thing fucking walking along with me the whole way over into the woods. Like... He didn't want to come out into the, you know, rope. Like he, he just walked along me into the gnarly bushwhack. I get up there and I go, what the? I obviously notice it. So I'm like, look, I go, what? And then the most unbelievable thing happened. This thing must've jumped 12 feet in the air grabbed about a five at least a six inch fucking log out of the, a branch out of the tree like like you can hear the vibration when you hear a six inch branch snap okay Cup crack that's what they do that lets you know that they're way fucking stronger than you. you. Fucking pulled something down halfway up a tree, cracked this fucking log, like this big, man. Snapped it. And went, what are you gonna do now? And I was like, no, thing. So I fucking just shivered up in the middle of the road,
2: man. I was just like,
1: go mm, on you your business, man. Go. I don't, I'm, I i can not compete with that, so. You know, I stood there for a long time, and there was like a long silence. And I knew he was staring at me, and I was just trying to like, Sean, you know, I'm just like. Mm, I got no beef with you, man. Gradually, I learned how to like crawl. This took 15 minutes, man. Over to a tree where I just hugged it. And then finally, there was a silence. So I ran down the road now, I ran. And I come up the backside of my buddy's campsite, uh, running in fear and uh, they all got spooked because they heard me running and they didn't understand what I just went through. So um, they all hid in the tents and then I said, no, 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 we gotta go. So we went back to the car and we left. And once we started the car, we just abandoned all the tents by the way, abandoned. Once we started the car, it became clear because on the radio, they started saying, hey, it's the Aubrey Hill fire in Bend, Oregon. The whole fucking nation's burning. Therefore, there's Bigfoots running through the forest. And then if that weren't enough confirmation, then the next morning we were driving down some old country road And I go, oh, something's running right at our car. It's a fucking. It's a fucking horse. It ripped out of this fucking thing. And he's bleeding all over. I'm not not joking, dude. we, we, We were driving down in a Jeep. And we're like, Dude, do you see that? Yeah, we just kind of slowed down to a stop, and we're all sitting there, And going, like, the "Fucking horse was galloping, just raged, bleeding everywhere because it ripped out of its fucking bit." Stuff. Yeah, yeah, it fucking because it was a forest fire. Dude, it fucking freaked out, and it was just running down cars. It was plain. So you think maybe the sasquatch that you encountered was on the on the on the run?
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. He was
1: fucking... Actually, the way I look at the whole Sasquatch thing is since he didn't touch me, he was actually protecting the people. You know, I think that he actually was actually warning us. Because we didn't know. There was a fire. It was a forest fire. Aubrey Hill fire. Big fire. And the moon was going... Red, white, red, and so the Sasquatch actually was more of a protector. Wow. Yeah. That's, I mean. That's a great story. Yeah, and then and then as we as we made our way out, we couldn't even get the bend because uh, the U.S. Forest Service shut down all the fucking roads because it was because fu- it was a big fire, and so we had to do like because I had a jeep then. We knew how to, like, you know, get around their blockages, and we got it, been We saw all these horses, like, just galloping through the woods, and I mean, not to mention Sasquatch.
0: Well, there you have it, folks. That was our first anonymous witness, and he's talking about an area I know pretty well. And so, therefore, I, I lend a lot of credit for him for coming forward and talking about it. You make up your own mind, you can get a hold of me and talk about each and every story, encounter, witness at strangebrowradio at gmail.com Our next guest is Jackie Tonk. She came in for our live events we do every second Saturday of the month in Cottage Grove, Oregon at the Axe and Fiddle. you got to be there to be a part of it. Jackie was a part of it. And anyway, it's one heck of a presentation. Uh, the audio quality is is really good on, on her end, but you'll hear me uh, reaching for the microphone a couple times As we go along here, live, pre-recorded I guess now, from the Axe and Fiddle, I give to you, Jackie Tonks. So Jackie, tell everybody a little bit about yourself and how you got involved with this and uh, how long you've been invested in the paranormal and uh, poltergeist.
2: Uh investigations. I've probably started them um, oh, about sort of 10-15 years ago. Um, but as a child about eight years old, um I had a rather spooky encounter going into a friend of my granddad's house, and that got me interested. And then um well, oh, loads of different things. I had some weird things happen. I don't know whether I'm sensitive or not but um, I was working in a a medieval building on a suicide helpline and this building goes back to the 13th century and I was sat there one night waiting for the phones to go and I suddenly had an icy wind go past me and I had a sentence of Latin said in my ear as clear as a bell and that that really freaked me out. I thought, you know, what what is that, you know? And that that was one of the things that really started me into being really interested in this.
0: And how old were you when you heard the Latin?
2: Uh, I was about oh, I'd be about thirty five years old. Yeah, it was. This was in my adult years. Yeah, yeah.
0: So that was kind of. Is that what got you started in this, or did you have a family tie to this beyond that? That kind of piqued your interest.
2: No, not family. It's just, I've always been interested in, as a child, I used to watch um, paranormal stuff. I don't know whether you've ever shown it in the USA. We used to have off sea clocks, mysterious world.
0: No, I've never heard of that.
2: No, it was like a, a bit similar to the, um, I'm just trying to think of the similar ones you might've had, you used to have that one presented by um, leonard nimoy didn't you it's a bit similar to that right and of yeah yeah very similar to that so that that got me interested but it wasn't until i started having my own experiences that i really got into it yeah and i started devon paranormal with a load of work colleagues we were working in this um building in kingsbridge in south devon in england and whit was one of them You know, if you didn't believe in ghosts when you started working there, you did at the end. We had, we used to lose a cleaner every month. It was that haunted, yeah.
0: Wow. So, you know, you and I had a chance to speak and um, I don't have that video queued up there, but it seems like maybe the paranormal has kind of followed you around. Do you find that that's generally true that once you start looking into this, that uh, you kind of have, you know, something follow you from uh you know house to house
2: i think if you're i think if you're definitely interested in them you will get more activity i think i don't know whether that's because you're attracting them uh whether they know there's a, a listening ear as it were or whether it's i don't know really or whether it's um you're looking for it because if you're you know if you're looking for things you're going to see them aren't you so you know i think that's part of it
0: all right well you you do a lot of things besides looking to the paranormal and poltergeist but you have some places that you go in particular describe some of these uh you know investigations you've been a part of maybe some of the equipment you use and what kind of results you've got
2: um so i'm just gonna go through the places here. um i've got um one i've done i don't know whether we managed to get the video up for that the Carrick barton pub did we i'm not not too sure whether we got the video for that one you up or
0: no we didn't get that one we we have the ones uh that we discussed earlier there and that's the fort whitley uh one
2: okay yep yeah, okay i'll talk about the pub first um Basically, that one. It's a um, it's a sort of 16th century pub, and it's made out of the remnants of a monastery that was um, destroyed by Henry VIII. I don't know whether anybody knows much of English history, but he sort of, um, you know, he wanted to divorce, and he I'm sure you've heard seen this on programs. He wanted to divorce um so he basically created the church of england and then destroyed a lot of them the catholic monasteries and this was one of them so the pubs actually made out of the stones and there are bits of um bits of the monastery still in there you can clearly see and it's actually it's one it's my local pub and it's actually one of the most haunted pubs in england And um, I've been in there for meetings, various things. I've been to there, and we've had doors flying backwards and forwards to the point where we've been screaming at the ghost to stop because it's been, it's you know, it's almost like people are really used to it. Um, We had one. We have a door handle that um, comes up and down, and we've, we've. I mean, basically, when you're investigating, you try to debunk. I don't know whether anybody's heard of Occam's Razor you principle philosopher's principle you always look for the most basic explanation first so when we're investigating we look, try to debunk it so we're looking at this door handle what could be causing that so we you know we checked is there a draft you know is there anything else that could be moving that is it the door hung for in a funny way you know so we debunked that there was nothing like that and we you know, it constantly happens. So six of us all stood in front of the door handle there and said, we know you're there, we know you're a ghost. Do you mind doing that again? No, nothing had been happening for a couple of days. And we asked it politely to do the door handle again. As we watched, there were six of us and four of us could see it. The other two were at the wrong angle. A ball of, a plasma ball of light came out of the chimney, went towards the door handle. And it went down three times, at which point we all, our voices went very high because we were all a bit freaked out. And then we asked it to do it again. It did it another three times. And again, we said, thank you. And the, the plasma ball just then went back into the chimney. And sadly, we didn't film it, which is like a lot of these things. We weren't expecting it to do it. It was um, a bit of a shock to all of us. But that was one of the best things I've ever seen. Um, We've got um, two ghost monks there. Sometimes you can see a slight misty effect when they're there. You can feel them standing behind you. Um, uh, we've had people who can see ghosts, and I had one. I sensed the monk um, behind me, and my friend walked in the room and said, "You've got a monk behind you." And I said, "I know." And as she and as I felt it moving away, she just said, before I even said that, "It's just going." Uh, it's gone through the wall and i could actually feel it moving away so that's good if you get confirmation you know p- multiple people saying the same thing uh there's also a depressed man there if you walk into an area where he is you feel instantly depressed if you walked out your mood lifts and you can literally go backwards and forwards and feel your mood change and multiple people have got him um A good thing to do with these investigations is to to go in cold so you don't know, you try not to research what's there. Because if you're told there's a white lady, you're going to see a white lady, your brain will create it, especially when you're tired at night. It's obviously good to do investigations at night, not because you don't see ghosts in the day, uh, you're just as likely to see them in the day. It's just that it's there's less noise disturbance and, and orbs are going to show up better. Um, illuminated orbs are going to show up better at night.
0: So you're saying at night do it because the evidence shows itself better technically?
2: Yeah, I mean, there's less noise disturbance. You can have less car noise. Uh, I often do things at like 2, 3 in the morning. So you've got less noise disturbance. Um, uh, a lot of birds are roosting as well, so you get less noise from the birds or they might get owls which can cause a certain sounds um you know also things tend to show up a bit better as well although with cold spots you know you can just get drops in temperatures if you using thermal um you know it's going to be colder so that can be a bit deceptive at times
0: i should probably ask you too to explain um what your definition of a poltergeist is because i understand it may shift from you know investigator to investigator but when i think of poltergeist i think of the movie i think of you know the way things were moved around apportations is that is that what your understanding of poltergeist is and what's the difference between that and something like uh you know a ghost that uh, doesn't really necessarily know it's dead or something
2: well the exact translation from the german he's rumbling ghost we often think it's noisy ghost he's actually rumbling it's a poltergeist is a noise similar to thunder or walking up a stairs that's what my german friend sil so i'm thankful for that one that's the exact definition um poltergeists um they can do a variety of things they can make noise they can um push you they can i mean i've had Commonly one you get is cutlery twisted when you've got a poltergeist around you'll actually go into your cutlery drawer and see things are like twisted that shouldn't be. You um, get things thrown, you also get um, things like thrown and they'll be hot when you touch them. You get all sorts of activity, cold spots. Um, that the, the real definition of the polterge- poltergeist and ghosts are very similar. The thing with the poltergeist, it doesn't have to be a spirit. Um, there's some of the evidence that poltergeists can be um, from living people. There's been some, um, it's quite common for it to be around adolescents, especially girls. And um, there seems to be something to do with psychic energy um, that seems to die down when they're out of their adolescence, um uh I had a friend who who had poltergeist activity in a house and she'd always had poltergeist activity wherever she went and she did have you know some, some mental health difficulties and I don't know whether her distress was causing the activity. Every single house she'd lived in for the last three times there was poltergeist activity. So that was that was quite interesting it seemed to all trace to her unless she was such that she was attracting stuff so that that was quite interesting
0: so you know in the movie carol ann was obviously the victim so the idea of there being a little little girl is a common thing that's
2: yeah it tends to be adolescence though seems to be something to do with the the you know the sort of the having to go through all the adolescent angst and everything i think seems to be something that you know to do with that um particularly and with the the famous enfield poltergeist there was a girl an adolescent girl who was the focus of that as well you know and that was witnessed by police officers the lot i know people have said they feel some of it's made up and some of it might have been but um you know um definitely you know there there was some definite activity that was even seen by you know reliable witnesses a police officer would be seen as a reliable witness
0: you know the enfield case is well known in our circles but tell the audience a little bit about the enfield case and why that's important
2: uh it was a house in london and um i don't know the exact period i think this went on for quite a few years um and there was a girl there, it was very controversial, you know, it was felt that it might have been the girl herself, the family faking this, because they got a lot of publicity. But, um, you know, the girl was even like levitating, thrown across the floor. Objects would uh, get thrown through a wall and appear in next door's house. Um, there was all sorts of really weird, she got quite badly hurt at times. She got bruised, uh, she got thrown against the wall you know um and she was talking um with a voice of a very old man he seemed to be you know possessing a vocal cords uh, some experts said there's no way um a girl could have been producing that deep sound it would not have been possible a girl of that age to produce a voice like that so it was it was very controversial but very interesting case and there's been a lot of um sort of documentaries on it recreation sort of um films as well so
0: right and there's another famous uk case too where they studied paranormal activity almost very regularly to the point where they were able to collect um i think you know even handprints like dipped in wax and things like that i don't know if that was the Enfield case or not but there was a a mm-hmm. long-term study that happened in the uk It may or may not have been that case, but...
2: um, Is that the one? Because there's one, I've actually handled the letter. There's one that there was actually a letter from the poltergeist, written by the poltergeist.
0: It would write out its message to people.
2: That's the one. I've actually held that letter... Um, Alan Murdy, I don't know whether you've seen his writings in the 14 Times, he's um, actually a barrister, and he's head of the Ghost Club in London, I think Charles Dickens used to be a member of, and he was going to the toilet once, and he said, please, can you hold this letter, don't lose it, it's a letter from a poltergeist, and I've never, ever had that said to me before, it's weird stuff.
0: (laughs) What do you think about holding possible haunted objects? You know, I've seen people do it before, but... It's interesting because they'll put on gloves, right, before they touch it or they'll put it behind glass. What's your opinion on that as far as using glass on haunted objects and it actually working?
2: I probably – I don't think the glass would work, to be quite frank. If it can go through a wall, I don't think glass is going to stop it.
0: <laughs> so behind you, you've got quite a few things going on, Jackie, so I'm going to bring some of them up. You've got antlers, you've got masks, you've got – Oh, yeah,
2: I look I – look- I've yeah. got Yeah, I've got something that's giving me horns at the back. So,
0: <laughs> so I, you're a world traveler, like you've been to Tibet. You were in Tibet when they had the big earthquake. So oh, something.
2: Nepal, sorry. Yeah, Nepal. Nepal. Yeah, I was, I was in the earthquake. Uh, that was pretty scary. Yeah, I was there to film. Um, my friend had got funding to film a documentary on shamanism. We're filming Mohan Rai, who's the top Hindu shaman. Absolutely wonderful guy. Um, Suddenly died the other year. But he, um, we were there to film him, and sadly I got stuck in the earthquake. So.
0: Right now, some of the objects that you brought back from your world travels, do you, what do you do as far as you know, like protecting yourself from what may be imbued in them, or do you worry about that?
2: Not really. A lot of the things I've got, I've got some proper shamanic pieces, the um, bone by shamans, but they. They sort of uh, tend to be llama shamans, um, uh, sort of quite good energies. Um, So I I know there's some things. uh, My friend um, sells, you know, proper shamanic pieces, and he had a Kali uh, necklace. It was all like skulls, and you're not meant to, um, you know, work with that unless you really know you know, to protect yourself, because it's quite, it's not an evil energy, I don't think they're really, it's just a, quite a strong energy, and, um, and he was selling this doll, and a woman stole it, and he wasn't that worried about the fact he'd been stolen, despite the fact it was 600 pounds worth, um, about sort of 800 dollars, but he was more worried about what the hell was going to happen to this woman when she got it home you know you do get some really powerful pieces and you know we just imagine this woman waking up with you know things hitting her on the head with hammers you know it was it was quite it was it was terrified of her going home with this we never found her. so i hope she was okay <laughs> so.
0: right you know when you were speaking about poltergeist um earlier twisting cutlery that seems to be something that you know people like Yuri Geller practice too. You know the the spoon bending and and working with uh, kitchen utensils. What do you think the yeah. connection is with you know small utensils and and bending utensils? I, what-
2: I don't know. I was always um, talking going off the subject, a bit, um, uh, um, Kieran O'Keefe from Most Haunted, the psychologist on that, and where people get that in the USA. It's um, but he's a sort of parapsychologist, and he said he was always a bit. Dubious about um, whether Yuri Geller could really do it, and then they had him on Most Haunted, and all the cameramen were going bend a spoon, bend a spoon, and he's going, oh no, I don't do that anymore. And Kieran thought, like, oh, I can't really do it, and then suddenly he did it, and he said he had his eyes completely on him, and he said he was really doing it, and the hotel in the end, by the end, I'd say no more. We've all our cotter is wrecked, you know. <laughs> so he really can do it. As Kieran said, it was amazing, and it was hot really hot after he touched it. Um, but, you know, I think it's it's probably something they can do. It's probably there's things they can um, do to show their presence. I didn't even realise it was when I was living in um, a haunted house in a place called chuddley and It's old barns that were converted into cottages and little did I know when I moved in that it was used as an army hospital in the Second World War. Um, supposedly a lot of the um, there was a the mock D-Day was actually done um, uh, in in near Kingsbridge. Oh, um, yeah. I've gone off the screen. I see. Um, you go ahead. Uh,
0: keep talking. I, we yeah,
2: sure um, the mock summer. D-Day was actually the trial D-Day was actually done on a beach um, not far from Kingsbridge in Devon, uh, Blackdown Sands, and. Um, He's, he's still there. You're, uh, You're fine,
0: keep going. Okay, on.
2: yeah. Was back, uh, and basically some, they accidentally, they've only revealed this the last 15, 20 years, there was friendly fire. They originally said there was a German U-boat uh, actually out-seen, it was, and it was they actually using real live ammunition for the mock D-Day and they got their guns a little bit too low and they killed loads of their men. Um, the sea was basically red. I was actually friends with the D-Day Piper um who's in the film the longest day i knew him before he died he's one of our locals um and you know he said the sea was blood red so and there were some horrific injuries from this uh, those who did survive and that the place i was um living in was supposedly one of the army hospitals so that's quite interesting that might have been you know mock d-day <laughs> right. uh, you know sort of soldiers in there um uh but that was that was so I used to I used to get really weird things that happened there. I'd sit in one spot and I could see images in my head of a Second World War, France, which was really bizarre and I knew other pe- people who tried it and they were getting similar things. Um, I used to have my dog corner something that I can see, something pushed uh, my parrot across the top of the cage like an invisible finger. I used to have the kettle turn itself on, Something used to brush my hair, uh, put, put its hand on my head. Um, something would run past to the point your hair would literally like lift up like this. And I had a couple of other people experience that, literally scream. Um, that was quite weird. And when they had the D-Day anniversaries on the television, I had all banging, knocking, um, all sorts of activity. It was very, very strange that. I, I didn't show- even know it was haunted when I moved in
0: yeah i found the video here so what you're about to see is a pre-interview i did with jackie from last week and i want you to watch from her right shoulder to her left shoulder now mind you how cold is it in the uk right now i mean is it below 40.
2: uh it's about um Probably just about below zero tonight, so just above. It's quite cold, yeah.
0: Really cold. But you do have a bird, and birds have feathers, or there could be dust involved here. But I want you to watch uh, this video here. Jackie, you'll be able to see it too. Do you see this right here? Yeah, I
2: can see it, yeah.
0: All right, let's hope this works. Let me hit play. Okay, do you see that at all? Okay, keep watching. See how it moves quicker? Okay, she's not speaking. Okay, now watch from her shoulder here. Now I reverse the image here so you could see it a little bit crisper. All right, so that's the kind of, I don't know, what do you guys think? Any opinions, Jackie, after seeing that again? Much to do about nothing or is that a traditional orb?
2: I don't know. I mean I haven't seen any insects in here for months. It's quite cold as I said. Um, I don't think it's an insect. Um, The feathers of my parrot tend to move down in a certain trajectory so I don't think it's, personally don't think it's a feather. Um, It's a difficult one. It does respond to my breath as it one of the orbs there's two isn't there there's two on this shot but one of them as soon as it gets near my mouth it moves off in a different direction now insects can that's how mosquitoes find you they tend to detect your the co2 you're breathing out so obviously they can detect things in breath it could be something moving out my way because it's you know detecting the co2 i don't know it's a difficult one usually when you get insects you get uh you get especially they have got wings you'll see little ellipses so you'll get a little ellipse for the back you'll get a couple for the wing you know because the digital cameras sort of putting it all together in a certain way um i don't see that there but it could be dust i don't think so i mean the way we dust to, to show it isn't you know you get that effect in the front of the camera with um dust that makes it look larger than it is and can illuminate it. Um, If it goes behind you, that's, you know, or behind an object that you're filming, that's a pretty good sign it isn't, that's that effect, you know, because it wouldn't go behind anything. But, you know, it's difficult.
0: Jackie, um, we're winding down to the last uh, minutes of our show here before we go to our break, but I do want to open the floor to questions. Do you mind?
2: Yeah, that's fine.
0: Okay. Yes, Francis, scream it out there. Oh. Now, when we did that video, Jackie, you didn't see what I saw, but I, is that correct?
2: No, I couldn't see the thing behind David. That's David Wells from Most Haunted. He was talking. No, I couldn't. This is the thing. The more I look, the more I spot on these films, you know.
0: No, I mean, when I when I shot your video.
2: In the oh, you, right. Oh, yeah. Sorry, I thought you were talking about the David yeah, Wells right. one. Yeah, um, Yeah, I couldn't see it at all. No. I mean, I have seen orbs. I have seen very bright ones right in front of me, you know, but I couldn't see that one, no.
0: Right. I wasn't
2: looking for it again, you see. If you're looking for stuff, you're more likely to see it, so.
0: Right, well, I mean, it it was pretty obvious when I saw it there, I thought maybe your bird was gonna fly into the picture because it was such a crisp image. What kind of uh, projects do you have coming up, Jackie? I know that you're planning stuff years in advance. Are you coming stateside?
2: Yeah, I mean, if anybody's got any uh, haunted house to investigate, I'd love to investigate one and I'll come for, over for Bigfooting, as you know, Toby. Um, uh, I've made friends with Brian Sterling Veet. I don't know whether anybody's seen him on uh, Paranormal Network. And he's also, um, uh, he's done, uh, did an investigate, well, accidental investigation in the home of Robert Brown, who was the person who inspired the Pilgrim Fathers uh, they were then called Brownists, but they're later called Pilgrim Fathers. And he was just doing a historical documentary and he's found that that the place they're investigating, the old home of Robert Brown, is really haunted. So he's, you know, looking uh, to possibly, he's done some filming on that. He's looking to do some filming on that and might help um, with some of that. And also in um, Cornwall. I might join him as well because there's um some pubs down there the amazing um activity there glasses just levitating and he's already got some film of that um so you know that, that 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 looks some quite quite some interesting stuff there
0: all right well i appreciate you coming on here everybody give jackie tonks a round of applause all right that was jackie tonks again from the uk up incredibly late uh, staying up in the wee hours of her morning to talk to the fine folks there, and along the way, uh, there was some incredible stuff that happened off camera. Actually, it was on camera, but you can't exactly see it from your lens. So I'll put the video up at Strange Brow YouTube channel. Again, if you have an encounter or you'd like to talk about something outside of the box and actually meet with me up at a pub, we could do that, especially if you're within you know, the local Pacific Northwest area. Get a hold of me at strangebrowradio at gmail.com. Also can't do this show without our sponsor that is again feral by aaron at etsy.com go on there rate review and uh let us know that you're looking at our sponsors here it's how we make things happen all right i wanted to mention one other thing before we get out of here we have tickets on sale right now for our sasquatch secrets of the sasquatch meeting we have a valentine special that's right Sasquatch for Lovers and you can check it out I think it's like 99 bucks for two days hanging out with the likes of Ron Moorhead and Tom Powell and Kirk Sigurdsson and Joe Hauser and myself and um, uh, Carrie Campbell so there'll be probably some surprise guests too check that out we also have our William Becker Psychic uh, it's in August, you can go to Paranormal Insights or go to strangebrow.com, B-R-A-U folks You can check it out on our 2019 ticket events That is uh, still available, I think we have seats, 20 seats available for that Alright, every Monday folks, that's how we're going to do this show Look forward to being back with you relatively soon, I guess that would be 7 days from now Stay warm, and as always... We will see you in the trees.